Uh, we love incarnation, and it's a great joy to, to always to, to be with this great congregation. I want again to uh, publicly give thanks to God for the leadership of your rector, Liz. Liz, I'm just so blessed by your pastor's heart, by your gracious care uh, of God's people, um, by your superb preaching, uh, your infectious joy, <laughs> and your passion for, uh, for this community and for reaching out with the love of Jesus to all people, especially those on the margins. God bless you and thank you so much for, for your leadership. You're doing a wonderful job. Um, as some of you know, Liz, Liz serves on the standing committee of our diocese, which is like the vestry of the, the diocese, and I'm so thankful for Liz's guidance of our Anglican movement, and especially for her wise counsel to me. Thank you, friend. And to your, your team, uh, to Amy and Katie and Beth and Josie and Quatley and David, uh, and to the members of the vestry, uh, thank you all for your uh, sacrificial ministry to this congregation. And I know you all are so deeply grieving the loss of your dear friend, Eric Owen. Liz called me uh, immediately to tell me that sad news, and our whole diocesan staff has been praying very much uh, for you all. Well, as we turn to the scriptures, let's, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit to us. Use and overrule my words and all our thoughts so that your word alone may be spoken and your word alone heard through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you're in a sermon series on the great themes of Advent, a season in which we prepare for the coming of Christ, or perhaps, as we should say, the comings, plural, of Christ, uh, since we pray for, prepare for the celebration of his first coming at Christmas. We celebrate uh, and prepare for his second coming at the end of history. And you could say there's a third coming as well, since we welcome Christ into our hearts as we surrender our lives to him afresh. Well, last week you focused on hope, for all people, and today our theme is peace. And as we turn to our reading from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, we find God's guidance to us about how to find peace in the midst of turmoil. You really can't find peace any other place than in the midst of turmoil. Um, years ago, I was uh, coming back from uh, an overseas trip, and God underscored for me a biblical principle that you can't develop a virtue without having the circumstances in which it is necessary to exercise that virtue. Um, and we were coming through passport control, and for some reason things were kind of closed down, and we were shunted down a hallway and into a massive enclosed concrete stairwell with very little lighting. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people. We were literally jammed, filling every step of this huge multi-level stairwell in semi-darkness. And we realized, we're not going anywhere here. And as we kind of came to a halt in the gloom and stood there in silence, I heard this voice call out, okay, 
who prayed for patience? <laughs> it was a great line because that's, in fact, how you develop patience, by being forced to wait. You know, you, you develop mercy by having to have someone to forgive, being hurt, and you develop peace by learning to find God in the midst of turmoil. Well, how profoundly we all need God's peace. We find ourselves in a time of, of tremendous upheaval with coronavirus restrictions, health concerns, political polarization, racial tensions. Our society is on edge, and many of us, of course, are struggling personally with all of these pressures. The anxiety level for many of us just seems to keep on rising. Well, we see in this passage from Philippians an extraordinary principle for living. And the principle is this, giving thanks overcomes anxiety with peace. We read in verses 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks overcomes anxiety with peace. And that thanksgiving is expressed in two ways here, in thankful prayer and in thankful giving. So first, thankful prayer. Paul says that God's supernatural peace can be ours. And he says that that peace is released in us through thankful prayer. He says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I think he means that literally. I think Paul is saying that whenever we pray, when we come to God to ask him for something, we should begin our prayers with thanksgiving. Because giving thanks for what God has done in the past builds faith that he will answer our prayers again now recalling how God has again and again guided me when I was confused or comforted me when I was alone or healed me when I was broken or sustained me when I was discouraged. All of that will build my faith that he'll meet my needs in this circumstance. And so instead of fretting and worrying and grousing about what's befallen me, I can praise God. I can walk in thankfulness for what he's already done for me, and in trusting him again, I can experience the gift of his peace. I was talking with a woman just yesterday who said she was trying to live out this principle. She said that when she felt that anxiety rising up in her, she would stop and give thanks, sometimes directly to God in prayer, and sometimes by writing someone a thank you email, she would turn her heart to giving thanks and feel the anxiety begin to drain away. In verse 9, Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is not glib, pious talk. Paul was locked in a Roman prison as he wrote those words. Follow my example, he says. Live the way I've lived even in prison. 
and the God of peace will be with you as well. Giving thanks brings emotional and spiritual and even physical well-being. Giving thanks to God overcomes anxiety with peace. Giving thanks is good for us. But Scripture also points us to the truth that we overcome anxiety with peace through thankful giving, including giving of our money. Giving brings contentment, joy, and true satisfaction. Paul goes on to say in this in the verses after our reading that it is at he is at peace because he's learned to be content with whatever he has. He goes on to say, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. About 190 years ago, the French statesman and philosopher Alexis de Tocqueville came to this country to observe our society. His writings are viewed as the classic reflection on our culture from an outside perspective. De Tocqueville wrote about this contentment and Americans' lack of it. He said that in America, people can never attain as much as they desire. Contentment with their wealth perpetually retires from before them, yet without hiding itself from their sight, and in retiring draws them on. At every moment they think they are about to grasp contentment, it escapes at every moment from their hold. Hmm. A great strength of the American people has long been our hard work and energy, our creativity and productivity, but at the same time, our great vulnerability and our great sin has been the tendency to worship our work and worship our wealth. That's the sin of idolatry, making money our God. We idolize Wealth, we make wealth an idol, a god. And in idolizing wealth, we imagine that if we had it, or if we had more of it, we would be content. We would be at peace, and life would be wonderful. But the book of Ecclesiastes says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. Researchers have studied this insatiable desire for more. They've discovered that when they ask people in our culture how much they think they need to, lead, to live in reasonable comfort, people don't say they need huge amounts of money. They just need a little bit more, about 25% more than they have now. The problem, of course, is that if we should get that big raise or a better paying job, if we get that 25% more, what do you think we want then? You guessed it, 25% more. We always want 25% more. So many of us are never content with what we have. As Ecclesiastes says, he who loves money will never be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. What the Bible is showing us is that if we do not trust God and give to him, we will never feel we have enough. But thankful giving to God fosters peace. It breaks the cycle of wanting more and more. Thankful giving banishes anxiety 
and brings instead joy and true satisfaction in what we have. I'll share with you a little bit about my story um, and how God began to show this to me when I was a very young priest. I was 25 years old, a newly ordained deacon, and somehow I had been elected to the executive board of the diocese of my former denomination. This was the governing body of the largest diocese in the denomination. Uh, At that time, the diocese was in deep financial trouble. The budget had grown just 12% in 10 years, and that was less than one year's inflation back then. Staff had been fired, programs had been cut, and during one particularly painful discussion, one person suggested that we should tell all the churches that if they'd just give us more money, we promised we'd send it all to the national church. Well, I thought that lacked something biblically, and I thought it was probably doomed to fail on a practical basis, and so I spoke up, I'm sure shedding more heat than light on the subject. And the problem was that the person I was disagreeing with was the bishop. And he looked over and with great compassion toward this young whippersnapper said, if you're so smart, well, he didn't actually say that, but everybody knew that's what he was thinking. Uh, He then appointed me to be a stewardship committee of one for the entire diocese, told me to carry out a stewardship education program for 167 churches in the next 90 days, and he gave me $50 with which to do it. Well, I did the only reasonable thing, which was panic. And <laughs> but someone said that the church's stewardship officer in New York was a good guy, and he might be able to help me. And so I called him, And when he finally figured out I was for real and not just this young whippersnapper that I obviously was, he invited me to come to New York to see him. Well, back then, a shuttle ticket to New York was $47, and the cab ride was on me. When I got to his office, I sat down, and he said, well, tell me about your stewardship. And I said, well, we're broke, and I've got 167 churches in 90 days, and I've spent all but three of my dollars, and I'm not sure what to do. And he said, well, that's very interesting. Tell me about your, steward- your stewardship. Well, we've got 167 churches in 90 days. And he said, no, tell me about your stewardship. We often say in the church, seek the giver and not the gift. And that's exactly what he did because nothing I was ever going to give was going to make any difference to him. But he saw me for what I was, a fearful, partially committed servant of Jesus Christ. And he challenged me to deal with God's call uh, on my finances and to trust him. And in particular, he challenged me to deal with the biblical call to tithe, to return 10% of my income to God. And I kind of gulped and prayed, but really felt the Lord was, was speaking to me about that. Went home, talked with Meg. I think she thought I'd lost it. Um, but we began to talk and pray. Now, I have to say, talking about money that way was not easy for me. Um, I grew up in a family where money wasn't talked about. My father was very generous, but we never talked about money. And so this was difficult for me. But by God's grace, we came to the place of deciding that 
we were going to tithe. We were going to give back to God 10% of our income, and we might take a couple of big steps uh, to get there. So we moved ahead. We began to increase our giving and began to experience more of that peace that, that God promises. And then we were to that place where now we're going to, make, we're going to begin fully to tithe. And just at that time, um, I was called to a new position. I was called to uh, be the vicar at All Saints Church in, down in Woodbridge, which was a very small church with a very tiny budget and uh, a very tiny salary. And we were going to move. We were hoping to buy our first house. Um, mortgage interest rates were 18%. Meg was seven months pregnant, going to be out of work with our first child. And we had said we were going to tithe. <laughs> and I could just feel the anxiety well up again and the threatened to to take back all the peace that I'd been experiencing. But by God's grace, we went ahead. And I remember as I met with the wardens and I signed the letter of agreement, the very next thing I did was sign a pledge card for a tithe. And I don't know how these things actually work. I don't know how God does these things. But what I know is that I never had a moment's sleeplessness over that mortgage, that God always provided for us. He always met our needs. And he brought such incredible joy and freedom from anxiety about money and possessions. In this Advent season, we are uh, surrounded by the temptations and the pressures of a materialistic culture. God would invite us to turn away from that materialistic Christmas and enjoy his peace through sacrificial giving to those around us who are in such great need. Would you pray about how you might creatively shift the focus of this season more and more outward for you and your household, to give more than ever before to ministries that glorify Christ by caring for others? God's path to peace is through thankful prayer and thankful giving as we thank him more and more and trust him more and more, he washes away anxiety and gives us his blessed gift of the peace that is beyond anything we can make for ourselves, that supernatural peace that he alone can give. So let's begin a little time of, of reflection about uh, how the Lord would have us trust him more in this season by, by praying. Gracious God, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Fill our hearts with gratitude and stir us more and more to thankful prayer and thankful giving. Drive away fear and anxiety and give us that peace that passes our understanding. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.